Welcome to another episode of the Culture Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys back this week. Um, as always, you know, I'm always really happy to have guests on the show. We've got a really cool guest today. I'm going to let her introduce herself in a moment. But before we get into that, I have, uh, I always say thank you every week, but I just want to let you guys know I'm really appreciative of the following we've been able to build. Um, I mean, from going in March to like having pe- 10 people listen to an episode to now we're closing in on a thousand listens. So I just want to express my gratitude for you guys and hopefully you guys continue to support me and I continue to put out some great content that you guys are excited to listen to. As always, make sure you stay tuned to our Instagram account, Odacia underscore clothing. We're going to do that relaunch very soon. Um, right now, I'm just building a lot of things in the background and hopefully it'll all make sense to you guys. But make sure to follow that account. It's Odacia underscore clothing spelled A-U-D-A-C-I-A underscore clothing. Now that that shameless plug is out of the way, let's get to the, the real reason you guys are here this week. Um, I'm here, and I'll just let you introduce yourself. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Sandra. Uh, uh, yes, this is me. I, this is me. All right, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, why? so the reason you're on this podcast, you're a senior at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, mm-hmm. and what are you studying particularly? Um, I am studying theater and communications, uh, quote-unquote, um, but I'm most, mostly there for the film certificate. The um, film certificate. Okay, yeah. cool. So that's something that, like, I always want to have people on this podcast that are mm-hmm. kind of keyed into the culture and um, look at different aspects of expressing creativity and I think that mm-hmm. theater is such a, I want to even say underestimated like mm-hmm. avenue for um, expressing creativity. But certainly, theater has always been a forefront of any culture. Yeah. Like, what do these people celebrate? What do people celebrate? What do people reenact, um, relive through the theater? I mm-hmm. think is important to understand what that culture values. Yeah. So, particularly, um, what I'm interested in. in uh, what I'm interested in hearing from you is what place does theater have in like this modern art scene that we are in today? Well, yeah, like what you said earlier, like theater is, I feel like, one of the lo- um, most underrated art forms. Um, not a lot of people really support theater because they think it's like just these Shakespearean stuff, like, oh, Gwendolyn, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it is that, but it's also more than that, especially um, modern contemporary theater, I think, has a tremendous place in the modern world, especially because it's um, a lot of like theater of descent that's going around. Um, the productions I've been in, in uh, UMass alone, have been really like, great works. Um, the first play I've ever done in UMass was The Happiest Song Plays Last, and it was um, it reflected the story of a Puerto Rican war veteran from mm. Iraq and him relieving, uh, reliving that um, trauma and his cousin back home um, dealing with, you know, the stuff that's happening in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, so ha- kind of having those, like, parallels and maybe that being the first reduction in UMass, I'm like, oh, shit, this is more than just Shakespeare, this is more than the, just, you know, Romeo and Juliet, and then... It's a very human story. Yeah. Like, and I think that's something that can kind of be missing yeah. from a lot of narratives, like, today. It's very relatable if people really give it a chance. So, um, one of the most recent works I did was... Um, it was the reading of Snowflakes or Rare White People, which is um, it's now a main stage. So, oh no, actually, it's it's not even in production anymore. It um, 
it uh, finished running uh, okay. last weekend, but it, was, it did really well. But we did a reading of it, and it's basically about like white people going extinct, and um, we have them in like reservations and stuff, and then they break out, and everyone is just freaking out about it, and you see how their whiteness, even if though it's so like minuscule. It still has like, a big impact still, even though it's been like almost a hundred years since they've been like a mass populace of white people. It's a really funny play. It's really, I hope I, uh, that synopsis did it justice. Mm -hmm. But so like that yeah. play right there, what I feel like in some ways there might be some political statements made Definitely. in that play for, for sure. Yeah. Like how I feel like that's almost like a tool, like you're educating mm -hmm. people about maybe social issues or pe yeah. helping people become socially conscious through this play. Um, in what ways do you feel like that play particularly helped helped accomplish those things? I feel like that play is it was a satirical comedy, mm -hmm. so it was like a place where white people could feel comfortable, but at the same time they kind of can reflect on themselves if they're really listening, because you know sometimes it's hard to get white people to listen and be self-aware of their own problems. But like people who ha are like white people who are like socially conscious, quote unquote, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're like, oh wow, like I can s definitely see myself being this character, you know, mm -hmm. having these like, because like there's one part that a white person says the N word and a um, person of color is telling them why they can't say it and then they get defensive about it. And I've dealt with like white people, like always, being, oh, why can't I say it? Black people can say it. Why can't I say it? I'm like, listen, <laughs> like, <laughs> can you relax and yeah. listen? Like, um, and then there's one part, another part in that play that was like uh, cultural appropriation. With uh, there was a, a scene about an Indian wedding, and they're like, oh, we're gonna make Indians white now, like we did with the Irish. And I'm just like, okay, but yeah, like it definitely touches on that. Um, some can argue that it could have been gone deeper and definitely like with all art it could have been deeper you know there's always an evolution with art because even during that reading them that's we were working with the playwright himself dustin chin shout out to justin chin if he hears this i doubt it but hopefully he hears it yeah i'll, I'll uh, get our distribution up yeah right <laughs> um, pay for some ads you know, or something. he's um, a playwright he was amazing to work with because um during the readings we were collabing um with other people in the reading and we were saying like oh like you know you have to realize that as an asian american man like this is you know you, you still have to understand your lens in writing this piece and then i feel like after the these discussions that we have like talking about the n-word scene talking about like cultural appropriation all that um he said i'm quoting him that the um the play got a lot better and he's been doing really well so like mm -hmm. shout out to him for his success <laughs> and i uh, hope it still goes up um but yeah, no, to long story short, like <laughs> theater has a place in the modern world and you should really try to like as much as you can, like and theater can also be a hit and a miss. Mm -hmm. But you never know unless you try, you yeah. know. Like I've been to a lot of projects that, that were mi um misses, but it's really worth worth um going through that when you get those really good plays and those projects and the people you collab with. Um what makes a like a play a hit for you? Like a, a, contem a contemporary play because well, we can talk about the classics too and I feel yeah. like that can come in its own yeah. time classics have has their <clears throat> place in certain settings but it's also good for the actor to have that you know to have that um, that repertoire that text work it really gets into your body like you know like theater is really difficult um, but what was your question again? <laughs> just what makes a contemporary play mm -hmm. connect like a hit 
in your opinion? My like, opinion. Yeah. Well, at, in my uh, lens as an actor, it's like the cast. If the cast is well aware and really into it, and if you work well with the cast, and if it's also depending on the script, mm -hmm. um, and also the director. The director really, the vision of the director is really important. So how does the director shape uh, a play? Because obviously mm -hmm. you guys are given this like template in the script, and there is something for the actors themselves to interpret and how they want to play their characters. Yeah. And then I feel like, where does the director come in in that process to help yeah. make everything come together? See, like, like everything, like, you can have, like, a, direct, directing is like a spectrum. You can have a different kind of director. There's some directors that I've worked with that, like, want it a certain way and they don't care about your collaboration. And that can be good if they're good um, directors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're like, this is how I want it. Fuck your interpretation, <laughs> you know, and I'm fine with working that because you have to realize like, you know, the dynamics of the work. You can't really be a diva out here, you know. Um, then you also have um, directors that let you experiment. And that sometimes that's even more like, oh, my God, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Um, but they let you like open up and be like, you know, what do you think is happening? And we have like table reads and we talk about like the scene that we're talking about in particular. Um, and then they will see your interpretation and kind of like, you know, help you uh, with that, with their vision, you know what I mean? So it's all about like co collaboration and those are my favorite kinds of the directors personally. Um, because I've been comfortable enough to experiment and you know, I've been good at reading text where I'm just like, I can kind of understand. Um, but yeah, it's on honestly depends on the director because um, some directors honestly depend on, like are focused on different things like if a director is really focused on the acting, you know, it can be a different result than a director that's focusing on provoking, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes What do you mean by provoking? Like, so there's this one, um, I'm not gonna say the name because I didn't really like the project. There was one project that I did where there wasn't really any substance to the choices that were being made, but it was like, oh, we gotta show this because it's gonna make people sad. And I'm just like, okay, but for why? You know, like mm -hmm. you don't explain it later. You just had this random thing and nothing happens, you know. Mm -hmm. So it seems kind of like illiterate, if that makes sense. But yeah. Um, but yes, <laughs> theater has a place in the modern world. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and this is something that is mm -hmm. really powerful to me, the ability to tell a story. Yeah. Right? I love I, telling I, stories. I think storytelling <laughs> in itself is an art form. Mm -hmm. that has a lot of different mediums yeah. the same way that you can paint a picture with watercolor oil paint yeah you can draw something with charcoal storytelling you can tell a story through music through theater through yeah. performance performance you can art. tell a story with no words this is going to go off track but yeah, anyone who whoever has watched um cartoon network you ever watched mm -hmm. the show samurai jack yes so they had a new season of samurai jack maybe two years ago i was stuck out in uh, amherst and for anyone who isn't listening to this podcast it's not from Massachusetts Amherst Massachusetts is in the western Massachusetts Bum so, <laughs> so don't think Boston think like very farmlandy open space type area yeah. and it's it's, a, it's beautiful out here um, it's just very different from like urban mm -hmm. centers and I was stuck out here one summer and it was really boring and I watched the entire new season of Samurai Jack yeah. the reason I'm talking about Samurai Jack right now <laughs> is because there was an episode in this new series where there was not a single line of dialogue mm. the whole episode yeah. but like it was driven by like and the scene was like the main character Sam Rajak yeah. was like running away from these assassins and they had cornered him 
in like this like old like temple or whatever mm. and like it was just like a fear driven episode yeah. like it was him and you get to experience like the sounds of his breathing and like you mm. could see him like dripping sweat and like looking over the corner and like they're just trying to kill him this whole time yeah. so like literally as you're watching it you're like you damn this like this, and not a word yeah. was said and i think that was like them giving you a story with beginning yeah. middle and end without a single line of dialogue and i was like that was so yeah. masterfully done yeah like showing your audience instead of telling oh, them because yeah. like your audience is very smart mm-hmm. you know and if you and if you do it like how samurai jack like if you perfect it in a way like it can be beautiful like moments like that mm-hmm. and like something like um you've watched a quiet place i've been talking about it like oh is that the movie with is- uh, the guy from the office I have to see it. No. I have not seen it yet. The whole time. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. But it was, like, such an amazing experience. Like, in the theater, I was, like, tense the whole time. Like, I felt like my nails were digging into the chairs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, it was such a... And it was, like, barely any sound. And when there um Not... I wouldn't say sound. But they had really great sound design, but not a lot of dialogue. And they were doing, like, um, ASL. Mm-hmm. That's it. American Sign Language? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um... And just the way they did it, it's just the, the sound designers, and then like with the monsters and how they make these like <laughs> sound. <laughs> it was so great. like it was just like oh I'm so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I don't know when art is done well, especially like when you make take risks like that. Um, it's like oh my god, amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's this book called a. Um a hero with a thousand faces. Mm-hmm. It's like by this guy, but it pretty much he talks about like classical um, adventure stories, right? Yeah. Like classical heroic stories. And this can kind of segue into some of the classic theater that mm-hmm. I would like to talk to your opinion about. But um, one thing that I always struck me was the story is told over and over again for a new generation. Um, and the, the concept is this, right? The main character, male, female, or now in a modern, like whatever that person yeah. identifies as, is um, starting off in like this space where it's very comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, things are familiar, usually like in the classic story. Like yeah. I'll talk about Star Wars, for anyone who's seen yeah. Star Wars, right? Luke Skywalker is on the farm. Tatooine. Right? He's on this farm, <laughs> farm boy, right? Yeah. Doesn't know shit about shit. And then there's this introduction of like the unknown, mm-hmm. like mysticism. It could be magic. Yeah. In Star Wars, it was the force. Like, and I'll draw the parallel here. Anyone who's ever read or watched The Hunger Games, it's yeah. the same setup. Katniss Everdeen, our heroine, is living in district her home, 12. Right, you know, District 12, yeah. hometown, but like out in the sticks, boonies, like, yeah. and she hasn't been ex- exposed to the mm-hmm. outside world. There are glimpses of that in her daily life, like yeah. how the capital has peacekeepers and forces in her community. Yeah. And then same thing in Star Wars, like, you know that there are stormtroopers, you, see the stormtroopers, you know, yeah. but like, it's not real for the main character yet. Yeah, because it doesn't affect them personally. Right? And then there's an introduction of like mysticism or excitement or danger. Mm-hmm. And in The Hunger Games, it was hunting outside, breaking the rules and going hunting. Mm-hmm. For Luke Skywalker, it was racing, mm-hmm. right? Then they meet, he meets Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yeah. right? For Katniss, the event is the selection. Yeah, they picked her sister. They picked her sister, yeah. right? And then shit gets really real for mm-hmm. the main character. Luke Skywalker is his parent, his uncle and aunt were killed by yeah. stormtroopers. There's they were looking for the droids. Right? Things change dramatically, and then they go on an adventure. They have to travel somewhere. Mm-hmm. For Katniss, it was that train ride to the capital. For Luke Skywalker, it's going to space for the first time. You yeah. meet new characters. You develop. You gain some abilities, whether mm-hmm. that be the Force or a lightsaber, yeah. or in Katniss's case, the bow and arrow and training mm-hmm. for the games. 
and then like you see this character growth but then there's always like a resolution yeah uh you go back home you return and i think that story you can like mm -hmm. find a format for that story everywhere yeah like alice in wonderland follows the same format mm -hmm. you know this girl falls down the rabbit hole yeah but she's living a mundane life before um what is it the daisy what's well, not even about daisy but the red shoes what i'm thinking of <laughs> the wizard of oz <laughs> the wizard of oz yeah. the same story format yeah. but the wizard of oz is a very powerful story in the sense that it doesn't necessarily require a lot of like violence yeah to get across the danger and the I mean, adventure. They, they kill someone they did they, they uh, <laughs> put the witch in the pot but like yeah, I was just on yeah but mm -hmm. that that story ability of storytelling so like for me i'm curious to know what are some of your favorite all-time stories and this is where you can talk about classic plays or mm -hmm. movies or whatever well, I just love listening to stories, like, from whatever spectrum, like, from, like, little petty gossip to, like, grand historical narratives. Like, I always, I always liked history because of the storytelling and how, like, you can kind of get a reflection of humanity by that story. Mm -hmm. Like, and how I, we're always repeating the same cycle, the same mistakes, and not necessarily learning from it. Like, you know, like, you know, uh, the rising of fascism, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. um, but no, like, um, I don't know. It's my favorite stories are always like the scary mystical stories that are supposed to like get you to behave as a child. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, um, was like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, like El Chupacabra. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like this, um, like monster, yeah, this monster that like eats your goats and like pretends like it's a shapeshifter. So, what was the story yeah. that was told to you? Like, tell us, it was like, similar. well, if you don't go to sleep, the chupacabra will get you and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like the chupacabra was just like, we don't have no idea what the chupacabra looked like, but we just knew it was a danger and it was just to be like a warning kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it was just like, I like that idea of like being afraid, but like. I don't like being afraid of them. Like, my biggest fear is being afraid. Mm -hmm. You know, but those stories were always just like, ooh. Gives you like you an know? adrenaline rush. You know, like, um, I don't know, I just really like those stories. I, I don't know why, I just, I think it's because it probably gives you nostalgia because it reminds me of my, like, you know, being a child and like listening, mm -hmm. you know, to all this stuff. And, and definitely like that familiar connect, um, connection. Like, it was always, like, an elder um, person in your family who would tell you these stories and pass, like, these stories on to generations. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, like, those, like, generational stories that, you know, don't really have its own book, but just, ha like, passes down through word of mouth. Yeah. Because um, it can change, like, and it can mean different things to different people. Like, my brother hated this story. He would cry every time. Mm -hmm. But I'd be like, tell it again, tell it again, you know? Yeah. But, um, and I also like some, sh like Shakespeare, like really doesn't get its due because it's the way it's been taught. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's not a lot of enthusiasm around Shakespeare, but this guy, like whether he was a real person or not, like these stories are really like impactful. And you know what I mean? Like, like that's the funny thing when people say, oh, something's mm -hmm. cliche. Like it's cliche because it's really good. Yeah. Like it's, it comes up over and over again because for some reason that person was able to tap into something that's universal. Yeah. And there's always like a certain format in storytelling. It's like uh, the exposition, the adventure, the climax, the resolution, you know, that's always been like the format of storytelling. Like yeah. you really break it down into these parts. Um, Cause when you think about it, almost, unless it's like Pulp Fiction, like doesn't really follow that format. Like Quentin Tarantino doesn't really follow that. Like, you know, that format of the regular storytelling. But it always starts, has the beginning, middle, end. 
and you know There's the way it's told is differently. There's static yeah. characters, dynamic characters. Yeah. For me, it's I love dynamic characters. Yeah. Because I like to see growth. Yeah. In the character, I think some stories like for me, I'll go back to like mythology. Like I didn't really like. I love mythology. Yeah, I didn't like Hercules. <laughs> Mm. Because I felt like he was the same character at the beginning. You think so? Well, in some of the... Because, like, people take stories and they mm. retell them and they change the yeah. the embodiment of the character. Are you talking about, like, the Disney Hercules? No, I'm talking about, like, the Aesop fables, like, Greek mythology, oh, okay, the story of Hercules. Like, for me, the story of Hercules is a tragic story. Like, Yeah, but I feel he, like, yeah. it, at least from the reading of it, it was mm. he was strong at the beginning. And he used his strength to overcome these mm-hmm. 12, like, labors. I'm talking about, particularly about yeah. his 12 labors, I guess that's what I'd say. And, like, his strength helped him overcome each labor. Yeah. But at the end of the story, like, he was still the same character. Yeah. Like, he was still this really strong. And it was just, oh, I'm just going to use my strength to overcome this thing yeah. and this thing. And the way I do it may be creative, but I'm still yeah. me. I think it's the Disney di- movie did yeah. a really good job in making him a dynamic character. Yeah. Um, I don't really... Because I, I just remember the tragedy in the beginning of, like, how he was always just being attacked by Hera and how Hera tricked him into killing his own family. And he was like, oh, my God, like, I'm, like, this terrible person. Like, the strength is, like, a weakness of mine, mm-hmm. you know, because he, like, like choked his family to death, Yeah. you know. Um, and then I think the 12 Labors helped him realize, like, hey, this is not as bad as it seems yeah. but I can understand like yeah like I think that's the power of context too yeah. like if you look okay well the 12 labors in isolation is like this is just one boring character but then you go yeah. oh well, what's his backstory and that's where you get like a real fully fleshed out yeah. like this main character like, why is he doing this well there's a backstory like oh yeah. he killed his whole family you didn't know yeah so like that's what I remember in Hercules like and then he then he's also in like Jason the Argonauts but in there he's kind of boring he like dies but then like he (laughs) dies but he goes back to like mount olympics because he can't die i don't know greek myth is a mess but it's so like i love greek like greek myth is i love achilles the story of achilles for me is so like deep because (laughs) like and and the renditions of the story of telling that story of that character he's like this very arrogant like he can come off as very arrogant like i'm and he is unstoppable Mm -hmm. but he has this fatal weakness and I think the universal truth in that story is, like, mm-hmm. no matter how great you are, no matter what you do, like, there's always something still like that, can, that can topple you <laughs> no. right away. And, like, understanding where it is mm-hmm. and, like, knowing how to to just take that with you when you when you move through the world yeah. is such a powerful, like, story to tell. It's, like, yeah. that fatal weakness that he had, but he was amazing otherwise. Wait, like, can, I, can I ruin Achilles for you? Yeah, go ahead. Ruin Achilles it. was actually, like, a fucking dick. He... Yeah, I feel like he was a... a so, dick. how the Trojan War started was... How it started and ended was the death of young women had to be sacrificed. So, I forgot, Iphigenia, I think? Um, the daughter of Agamemnon was, like... Oh, you're gonna marry Achilles because the gods want it because it'll be good for Greeks' um, possible outcome for the Trojan War. Yeah. She goes in, you know, getting ready to marry the greatest man, you know, ever. greatest warrior ever. ever all, all and then the altar ends up being a sacrificial altar. And she's, you know, she's like, Dad, don't do this, don't do it. He's like, Sorry, I gotta do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you know? Go and down like this. They, they do it, you know? They kill her. And then Achilles, you know, uh, just rapes and ravages in yeah, the whole he's, thing. He's a terrible person. And then when he finally dies, they're like, "Oh well, homeboy needs 
and a, a bride in the afterlife and kills one of the Trojan princesses like over her like they slit her throat over his grave. It's crazy how dark the actual myths are and Dude, how like watered yeah. down they get through retelling because yeah. I don't know. Because it's like white like uh like the Trojan War like the one that Brad Pitt did like I'm yeah. just like yeah Achilles you're hot. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? It's you like, know, it's watering down. Like, well, let's distill yeah. some qualities that are like marketable. And, like, yeah, because the they they want to play it safe, but it's just like, I think now we are getting into the more dynamic and you know characters that you're like you're fucked up, but I'm still rooting for you. Yeah. So like that, I, th- I don't know. If, I don't want to say it started with Breaking Bad. But Breaking Bad is definitely one. Of, actually, no, Pulp Fiction definitely. Yeah. Like, kind of. I don't want to say kind of started that trend, but it's like. The thing that I can remember the most, I was like, "Hey, these guys are gangsters, and they they do drugs, and they they kill people." But I still want them. I still feel bad when spoiler alert. <laughs> I still feel bad when um, <laughs> when one of the guys die. Yeah, you know. And then Breaking Bad, like this guy, like Mr. White or Walter White, whatever. Yeah. he's like a became a horrible person. Yeah, he was a good guy. Became a horrible person. He dies and you feel bad about it. And that's always been my thing, though. I've always been, I always felt that, I don't know if this just makes me more of a sociopath, but <laughs> I've always been, felt bad for villains. Even like the Disney character, like Ursula, I felt bad when Ursula died. I'm like, y'all really had to kill her? Y'all yeah. couldn't take her through the, the criminal justice it's system? <laughs> like, the 12-step process, we you could know? have rehabilitated. You like, know if someone's born bad, they, they have to die and everyone cheers, you yeah. know? I'm just like, you know? I think that's where like good stories happen is like, well, mm-hmm. You realize people are full of contradictions. Like, yeah. Breaking Bad, and this, like, I don't know if you haven't seen it all at this point. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you're just going to get spoiled. Yeah. Like, there is a scene when he finally sneaks back, like, to his home and sees his wife yeah. and their daughter. I think it's his daughter. And she's like, why did you do all this? And he's like, he, did it he was about to say, I did it for my family. And she's like, don't tell me that's, like, that's bullshit. You didn't yeah. do it for us. Like, And then he just, like, tells the truth. He's like, yeah. honestly, like, I did it for me. Like, yeah. I felt so alive. Yeah. when I did all this because like was, yeah. his life was boring he was a like, pushover yeah and he was know? tired of it and he took radical action and it's like yeah. in some ways people who were watching that scene and like saw themselves in his, them, themselves in his character at the beginning of the show when he's like yo I'm yeah. just going to work my wife tells me to do something I do it like I'm just I'm not living a yeah. life I'm happy with and then here's a man who's like no like no yeah. more like I'm providing I'm doing everything necessary and then you become yeah. something entirely different but at the heart of it all yeah it's like I felt alive like I felt like I was I had a purpose I was doing something and yeah. I think that was a really powerful moment and I feel like society always like wants to portray this absolute moralism um like in terms of like Malcolm X, not Malcolm X um Martin Luther King like he did great things but he wasn't cheated on his person. wife yeah, wasn't the you know person. and he's not like a bad person he's just a human yeah you know like like, I don't think I'm a bad person, but I've done, like, fucked up things, you know? Yeah. And just because I'm human. Yeah. You know, everyone's done that. And, like, if you think you're above the rest, then you're full of shit, you know? And, like, I feel like those kind of stories are more, like, just more captivating. Because it's just like, oh, I'm, like, no one can really relate to Superman. That's why DC sucks right now. <laughs> Honestly, I think you nailed it on the head right there. Because I never sucks. thought of it that way. Because they want to make these superheroes into gods. And you can't relate to a god. We're not even sure if there is a god. I, not attacking any religious or anything, but we're getting deep, you know, on the culture podcast. But you know today. what I mean. But like, <laughs> deal with it. And this is without smoking. <laughs> you know, I, this is just me all the time. Um, but no, like, it's always just like you can't relate to Superman because no one's Superman. You know, 
like Man of Steel is probably the closest they could get. And even then people had problems because he was like, oh, Superman's not supposed to kill people. I'm like, okay, but how do you want to relate? How else do you want to relate to him? Because yeah. you, you can't lift shit up. You can't shoot things out of your <laughs> yeah, eyes. Yeah, right. You can't fly you through know? space. There's a lot of God references in that. Yeah. In that Man of Steel, like yeah. falling out of the spaceship and him in the church and like him standing up yeah. and then, Jesus! <laughs> and, you know? and then, oh, uh, Man of Steel. And, it's just like, and then like Wonder Woman, this bitch is always posing. Like, like in her, like the movie was okay. Like I think that was the best that Disney, uh, DC has done, but still could have been more. Like she was always posing. She was like, "Oh, I'm this perfect goddess." Blah 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 blah. No story arc. No nothing. Yeah, I didn't like know? Wonder Woman not because of like the acting or anything, but yeah. I thought like what they did with her character was also I didn't like the villain in Wonder Woman. No, I thought that was really bad. They always done. fuck up the villain. But they always I, make a CGI disaster. But one thing that, yeah, one thing I didn't really, like, feel like was necessary was Mm -hmm. the romance part of it. Like, that for me was so, like, obvious from the Mm -hmm. very beginning of the movie. Like, you know what? Movie did an amazing job without introducing any romance. Like, the female character has to fall in love with somebody. Moana. Yeah. It was just like, this is about her. Like, it's about her story, her adventure, her growth. There doesn't need to be a guy. There doesn't need to be someone to help drive her or make push her to make certain decisions because of like emotional attachment there's nothing wrong with portraying like emotion and love and romance and stories because it's a huge part of the human experience but there's also like other things i feel like yeah that's been going on so long because oh damn oh we are experiencing technical difficulties right now all right that's good and we fix them um but no i feel like I feel like pe- the reason why that, like, you know, romance narrative has really stuck so long is because, like, people like that sexual tension. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, oh, are they gonna, are they gonna fuck? Are we gonna see it? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, are they gonna have sex? You know, like, and then, like, the whole thing with Wonder Woman, we didn't even see a sex scene, so I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you were waiting <laughs> but for. But that was just me. I don't know if y'all yeah. could relate to that. Um, but no, no, it's just like, yeah, like, I don't know. DC just is doing really bad. Yeah. And I love DC characters because they're, like, Batman, like, and they really messed up Batman in that mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I think you said mm-hmm. it's very hard to relate mm-hmm. to Marvel characters. Like, they're not yeah. human. No, no, DC characters. Marvel oh, characters okay, are doing sorry. a great job. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the flip, sorry. like, I mm-hmm. love Iron Man because he's, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. He has a, he's, he has he's, a character arc, though. Yeah, and you know, and, like, I love the first Iron Man because it's like here's this guy mm-hmm. who's rich, sells weapons for a living, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, life is good, everything's good. I'm yeah. living this life. He goes he to goes sell out. the weapons to the U.S. Army, which I also thought was a really great way of mm-hmm. like framing the story in a really like real world. Yeah, because that happens all the time. But then his caravan gets attacked and he gets kidnapped and forced to work. Yeah, and then the bomb is his own bomb. Yeah, and he sees yeah. what his weapons have been doing, yeah. and it pushes this dramatic like flip and like that doesn't happen unless your your life is like like shooken the fuck up yeah and he becomes this hero but like at the, at the beginning it's like i'm not trying to save anyone i'm just trying to fix yeah. my mistakes and that's such a human thing it's like when you realize what damage you've caused like it's mm-hmm. restorative justice like what can i do to make this right yeah and that was what he was trying to do and then he became a philanthropist yeah and then he yeah. then he becomes iron man like and i yeah. think that like also spider-man like with mm-hmm. great power comes, comes great, great responsibility like that r.i.p uncle ben. Right, uncle ben a real one like that is such a that's why i love because mm-hmm. like peter parker is is a guy from new york yeah. like 
He's a, a dude, dude who gets superpowers <laughs> and goes, damn, like, yeah. now that I have these, I have responsibility to like, do something. I could have saved Ben if I had these powers. Yeah, right. And well, like, he did have, no, he had these powers in the beginning and he didn't use them well. I mean, it depends. I'm thinking about the Tobey Maguire one. Yeah. Tobey um, Maguire one was really, did a really good job yeah. of explaining that, like, with great power comes great responsibility yeah. idea in <laughs> in the movie. Never forget, that was the best. But so many Marvel characters have great, like, yeah. relatability. And then, yeah, I feel like even, like, as well as Black Panther did, like, um, T'Challa himself kind of was kind of hard to relate to because he was, he was dealing with, like, the struggles of being a king. But other than that, like, he's not, he's gone for most of it because people think he's dead. So I feel like they really cheaped out on um, T'Challa's character development in Black Panther. Yeah. And they could have gone further with that. I like Killmonger better because yeah. he was more relatable. Yeah, and the like, side characters were more relatable. Like, the yeah. sister was just like, okay, well... You know, she was able to finesse all this stuff. Yeah, she know? was a genius, but, like, she was a very, like, they they gave her character yeah. so many, like, real reactions to yeah. things. It was, like, funny. <laughs> no. And she made T'Challa's character more human. Yeah. Just by her being in the movie. You know? Because he's, like, an older brother now. He's mm -hmm. not just Black he's, Panther yeah. king. Like, he's also a goofy older brother who's, exactly. like, old-fashioned. And she's, like, but what yeah. are you up to? I think they're coming up with a sequel, and hopefully we get to see more of, like, T'Challa and stuff like that. Yeah. But, no, when... He, Spoiler alert. In uh, Infinity Wars, <laughs> when they had him dissipate, I'm just like, bro. Yeah, and I feel like they're doing something do with that. You know what? This is going to be very, like, conspiracy theory of mm -hmm. me, but I'm just going to say it anyways. I think, like, Captain Marvel in, in the Marvel comics yeah. is, like, the supposed to be the strongest Avenger. Mm -hmm. But, like, in the way that they're going to introduce her as, like, the savior supposed to save everybody in, like, mm -hmm. the next Marvel movie, right? Like, she's, she's going to be this, like, goon who's yeah. going to come, I don't know, beat up Thanos or something. Mm -hmm. It seems, like, very, like contrived I don't know I'm, I'm interested to see the movie I think I have to see the movie first to yeah. kind of like detect what's going on because there are like possible because like, those people who did like you know turn into Ash they can eventually come back because yeah, you can just reverse the time Yeah, that's what I'm um, but I feel like unless like Loki has something up his sleeve I think Loki is dead no Loki's um, super dead I feel like he's but dead. I think Vision's not dead though I think Vision is um, gonna become something else because I'm just basing this on the comments and other, like, yeah. videos and conspiracy theories I've heard. Yeah. But, I'm interested um, to see what they do with it. Like, they have yeah. a really interesting opportunity to move a certain way with it. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see how they, like, take it and, like, shape it. But, yeah, I think because Infinity War was so <coughs> successful was because they didn't give you that happy ending, that resolution. Mm -hmm. They were just like, damn, you're for, you're, the people you rooted for lost. Yeah, you right? Know. I remember watching the movie and I was like, yeah. fuck, like, damn, like, yo, when they killed, uh, damn, so many spoilers, but if yeah. you haven't seen it by now, it's too bad. That's your fault. <laughs> right? Like, when the child turned dust, I was like, man, this is some bullshit. She was like, like I was, this is not the way to die. <laughs> I'm just like, this is not the place to die. Yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> damn, bro, but you just went and died on us? It's yeah, crazy. and then, like, and then, um, I forgot her name, but the girl from uh, Walking Dead, she was, the, her face was just my face. I was like when she saw like took John disappear. I'm like, no. What about Black Panther two? Bless you, bless you. Thank you. But so yeah. what about Black Panther two? As <laughs> <laughs> the first thing, I was like, damn, like y'all wouldn't have done this man in already. Dude, it's crazy. But yeah, and then like they did, they killed Idris Elba. Yeah, and I'm just saying, yeah, that was coming. I, I know, like, but I was just like, why did he have to be the first one? <laughs> right. You know I, I, mean? I felt I was triggered slightly. I was slightly yeah. triggered. Like, mm -hmm. I remember the first time I saw Jurassic Park and the first guy to die I was, was like... Samuel Jackson. Yeah, right? Just fell in the... the yeah. How you fall in the raptor cage, bro? That's the one thing... No, what happened was the the electricity went out so they were able to escape because the raptors were really smart and then oh. they ambushed them. 
I, I was thinking yeah. of was that the original Jurassic Park? The I'm very first. The OG, OG. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe I didn't see that one because I remember the first Jurassic Park was like they had the raptor cage and they hadn't even escaped yet. It was just the guy who was like sweeping, and then oh, like he like <laughs> fell into the cage. And I'm like, yo, like that's the first thing they probably gave you in your manual when you got the job. Was like, yo. Don't, don't fall into the raptor I mean, cage. There's man. only so much you can do with gravity, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's true. I but, bet you the workers' comp at that job was probably lit. Do you know? You got injured on the job, like yeah, I lost a finger. It's cow, yeah, raptor bit it off. No, got fifty grand. There's no three workers' week comp. You died. <laughs> three week vacation. No, that's like, you know, I yeah, that I can't with Jurassic Park. This is a thought out of left field. Like, yeah. imagine being the guy at like Jurassic Park who had to clean up all the poop. Oh man! I mean, I don't think they would have because it was like, um, it was like, a, <laughs> it was like a, trying to replicate the, like the nature. nature as much as it can, and you don't really pick up poop in nature. Okay, good. Because I'm like, imagine you had like one in like an enclosement, yeah. and just like, just like mountains of Cause like Because it wasn't like a, poop. it wasn't like formatted like a zoo. It was formatted like a sanctuary. Oh yeah, like a, like a the, safari. Almost. Yeah, you know. That's true. So. Okay. Thankful, thankful to that yeah. imaginary guy who didn't have to walk on with the pooper scooper. Yeah, can you imagine? That would have been. But that, they did have a poop scene in Jurassic Park. Was that the person who was like in the poop? She, she was like checking it out, like, oh, this person, this animal is sick because oh. of the poop because he's eating poison. I'm like, okay, then. well, I did not need to know that. Yeah, that, was, that was information <laughs> that was, that was like just dropped on us. Yeah, like I don't know what the purpose of that was. <clears throat> so I mean. Yeah. This has been an adult episode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to ask a question, because <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we are going to wind down in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, cinematography. Yeah. Right? As a, as a way to explain and talk about mm-hmm. communicating stories. You take videos, like you film, right? Yeah. So how has cinematography helped you express your creativity? Um, for me, like how I approach cinematography... Um, I try to do more like a documentary based stuff because um, I'm really into like home videos and just seeing like like people might find them boring but I find them like really interesting but um, I recently documented um, the Melville protest and the community forum mm-hmm. um, and this is like the first like I've done like you know low-key um, cinematography projects that I would just send into my professor and not really share out to the world and this is like my first projects that I really like put on YouTube and I was like oh my god I don't know how people are going to feel about it you know um but I I did that like the reason why I put it out there was because I feel like um like with everything the institution's going to like wait give it time and people will forget about it and I had I put them out these videos out into the world because I'm just like yo, we need to remember that this happened in this university. And they said that, you know, they were going to hear us out. And if they don't remember, well, here's the link to the video. And you can see these people, like, and these, emo- like, I don't know if you went to the community forum. No, I wasn't able to. No, it was, like, it's a two-hour-long video, and it took me forever to edit. But it was just, like, I didn't really, like, edit it in a way that was, like, um, I don't, I don't want to say, like, Polished. I kind of did it rough because I'm just like, you know, I didn't, I don't want to cut any of these people off. I want people to just like listen to these people and what they have to say. And if you really like listen to what these people are saying, it's really like deep and hurtful. Like I think one of the first people that speak out are saying like she was a six year old woman who's an undergrad, and she's saying that the reason why she's doing um, she's she's still like uh, an undergrad was because she dropped out because this uh, white guy tried to uh, set her dorm on fire and 
the white guy got expelled, but the school didn't do anything about it. You know, they didn't check up on her or anything. So she dropped out because she was like, this guy attacked me and tried to kill me. And you guys aren't doing anything about it. So she dropped out. And then now she's finishing her um, her diploma finally after I don't know how many years. But And then something happens again. Yeah. So. And then something like that happens. Like, like, obviously not to that extent, but just saying, like, hang like hang like black people like mm-hmm. you know there's you're you know what you're doing you're not an idiot like you can't like you can't you know negate that as a bias incident and then you know there was a a girl the la- one of the last uh, things that I said was this girl from Brazil who's like you know I come from Brazil and it's really violent there like twice as violent but I don't feel I feel less safe here than I do in Brazil what do I tell my mom you know mm-hmm. and I'm just, and then, I don't know it was just like a really impactful meeting and I hope like it doesn't end there it didn't end in that day you know because that's I feel like because people are so busy like they don't really have time to remember like oh we need to check up on this issue yeah when you come back you to know it. and especially with our like the technology now like everything's just like going by really fast and you know trends are just like going in and out it's hard to keep up and it's hard and then dealing with your own self and like your own situation it's hard to be like oh well we need to make this change because making change is hard but it's just like I don't know I'm doing whatever I can to like make sure people remember like this is what we need to do in a way almost almost bringing that full circle like you have the power to document and capture those moments yeah so in a way you almost have a responsibility to share that with people so that they remember and know how they can maybe take action moving forward yeah in a a poetic way of bringing that round full circle yeah because i don't really know what to do like i'm not an organizer i'm i would love to say i'm an activist but like activism comes with a lot of work that i don't think i have the capability of doing so well, I, mean, I wouldn't doing, say that yeah but I would definitely I'm selling myself short yeah. but like I'm doing what I can like in my medium to do what I can to help and I feel like if everyone does that <clears throat> in their own way I feel like it would be you know more impactful you know mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense I, it made sense to me yeah for sure. <laughs> um I, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank and you for ta- having me. Yeah, of course, and talking about, mm-hmm. I mean, everything from movies to theater. And yeah. I really want to say, like, I'm looking forward to see what you create. Um, thank you. Next, I know you've created yeah. those those videos already. So mm-hmm. before we hop off, can you plug where we can find those videos? Well, so my Instagram is triple S-A-T-R-I-P. L E E S S E triple S A, and then it's the link on my bio, my YouTube channel. I only have those two videos up. I don't. I'm not officially. Um, you gotta plug the Yeah, videos. it's just a link to those that YouTube channel. Um, well, your YouTube channel. Yeah. What's your YouTube channel? I just said S S S. You know, okay. it's triple S. Okay. S S S. Um, but the link is also on my Instagram. Um, because I don't know how. To, I'm I'm really not good. Like technology wise yeah. like with the whole like but I'm trying mm-hmm. you know like, I'm definitely new to this and I definitely can't wait to get better and learn more because I'm taking more film classes um, and I actually submitted um, the Melville protest as a project and I want to see what you know how it's received like through academia 
Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, and I hopefully want to do more stuff. Like, I don't know. I kind of want to talk to the Republican students and just see, like, how they Maybe feel do, about like, it. documentary. You know? That would be a cool documentary if you... Because you never hear, like, like, you know, and it, I feel like people are always too comfortable in these discussions. And I like being uncomfortable. You know, I'm a theater major. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, so just understand. And it's always good to understand what your enemy or someone who you don't agree with um, is thinking so you understand why they think this way. You know, and you don't have to agree why they think of it, but you have to at least have that in the back of your head so you can better uh, strategize for the future. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, like in war. It's not a war, but it's just, you know, understanding the, th- like, the war of ideas yeah you know because fascism and socialism and you know modernism capitalism you know that's that's all being played on the table and i feel like people aren't really taking it seriously because they don't they're afraid and they have every right to be afraid but <sighs> the compl- like being compliant right now is not it's not an the option answer. it's yeah. not an option well yeah i'm interested to see what you do next and yeah if it's in that direction, I think you have the opportunity to really do something really powerful. So thank you. Thank you like I said earlier, um, for being on the podcast. Uh, and this kind of marks what I imagine will getting us over a thousand listens on the podcast. So <laughs> you're the person who did it. So thank you. Um, truly, uh, it was real honored to have you on the show. Um, thank you. So just to wrap up for our listeners, thank you guys, like I said, for rocking with the podcast for so long. Um, your support's truly humbling. Um, and you know what? Until next time, Odacia family. Bye.